Hello, and welcome to Web3 Unpacked. I'm Rich Pasqua, and today we have the pleasure of speaking with George Batsilita, CEO of WERT, a fiat crypto conversion payment system. Welcome, George. We look forward to learning more about your product. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, excellent to have you. And interesting fact about George is he was, at one point, the founder of CryptoPay, one of the oldest running Bitcoin wallets in the UK. Um, that's pretty impressive. Uh, start to the whole your whole Web3 journey. Can you give us a little bit more about your background and how you get started and perhaps maybe what excites you about the space? Uh, with pleasure. So I've been around uh, in crypto space since 2013. Um, I was a little bit mining and then um, it was just, just a hobby with friends. And then we decided to move on and create something uh, big, a company, a startup. And that's how we started out CryptoPay uh, in 2013 in the UK. Uh, it's still up and running. Uh, we were the one of the first ones to issue prepaid cards linked to Bitcoin. So you can spend your coins uh, anywhere Visa is accepted. Um, we was pretty radical at the time. It was 2015. Uh, they were like us and one another company doing the same thing. And uh, yeah, it was cool. But um, later on, uh, in I went to Web3, uh, Web3 Summit in Berlin in 2019. Uh, and there was uh, Edward Snowden talking and there were other notable people. And... Uh, uh, it had such a vibe that uh, what I've understood is the future is uh, custody free. It's non-custodial. And everything is going to be uh, running on smart contracts or fully decentralized and automated. So operating a, operating a custodian wallet out of the UK, it's something that is like uh, something's going to go away. And... Uh, I thought that uh, having uh, buy crypto as a service could be a nice thing. So um, uh, my other shareholders and uh, co-founders didn't like the idea. So I've sold my shares and was free to do what I'm doing now, Word. It's uh, buy crypto uh, as a service. So it's, an, uh, it's a widget or a payment module or payment page, whatever you call it. Uh, something that you, uh, as a developer, install, uh, integrate, and your consumers will be able to seamlessly purchase a cryptocurrency uh, or NFTs or get uh, um, execution on DEXs. There are many use cases. Right now, there are two. It's uh, um, fiat on-ramp, buying of cryptocurrency, and uh, NFT checkout, buying of NFTs. Got you, got you. Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting space for sure. And before we dig into the product a little bit more, um, and again, it's a it's a it's a, it's a, a fiat to crypto conversion um, you know tool that you can kind of plug into your your um, e-commerce type of platforms or NFT platforms. But before we go deeper into it. What were some of the challenges or hurdles or pain points that you were seeing in, in crypto payments that 
kind of led you to this journey and creating this product? The act of selling uh, of cryptocurrency is a regulated activity and global regulation, uh, the, the, the worst part of it, that it's uh, fragmented. So if you have a license in uh, one part of the world, you can't passport it or use it in another part of the world. So you need to have a global um, portfolio of licenses in order to operate. Uh, many of the non-custodian wallets at the time uh, were really kind of a software companies. They had different principles and uh, um, they were led by people with, uh, with you know, with a vision and a charisma and team of motivated and enthusiastic individuals. Uh, they were doing cool stuff and, you know, turning into something which is compliant, regulatory compliant on the global scale. It's not something that they can do. It's kind of a different mentality, like all this. Uh, you know, like this, there's a thing called FOI principle, uh, when one transaction is um, monitored by two persons. Uh, that's why it's FOI. So one is signing and the second is kind of checking. Uh, that's a term from regulatory, uh, regulated finance. Um, those, the younger generation, they cannot do global compliance and global payments. So they need a regulated partner that will do that heavy lifting that will result in just a simple thing. The consumer is buying crypto with the credit card. That's it. So that was, uh, that was the idea that everybody else will do the same stuff. If you want to, if you're a non-custodian wallet, you need a on-ramp, right? You need some tool for your consumers to get crypto so they can start using the wallet. So instead of everybody doing the same, I thought that it's a nice idea if you provide an infrastructure which will be shared between all those wallets and DeFi's. Uh, that's how I came with, with my idea. And that's the pain point. When I went on to uh, the work.io website, I did do a, a quick demo and it was really quite simple and, and easy from the front end. And really that's 100% of the goal. For me, as perhaps an advanced crypto user um, that uses, you know, standardized wallets all the time, how does it work behind the scenes? Where do the keys go? How do you perhaps alert users or inform them or even educate them as they go along the journey? Sure. So first of all, we are B2B service, but the services rent, it's B2B2C. So we uh, work with B2B companies that integrate us, but the service itself B2C. So this kind of thing. So uh, the, our nature is non-custodian, meaning that we never store customer crypto and we never store customer fiat money. That's why we accept only uh, credit or debit cards. So when you buy crypto, you um, specify the wallet address where this crypto you want to be delivered. And right after the transaction, you instantly get um, get it delivered. So there's no private keys or um, nothing is um, held by verb. Uh, the this front end can be easily embedded or integrated through an iframe. Uh, I'm not sure how technical is the audience, but. Uh, there's a thing called iframe and you can embed this uh, 
through in a model window or uh, in uh, mobile apps through WebView, uh, this 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 payment in iframe and uh, it it reduces all the complexities and it it don't put any additional regulatory PCI compliance or any other um, burden on the wallet uh, developer itself. So the uh, non-custodian wallet embeds our payment module, our on-ramp, and it's just a button that pops up and um, there the consumer buys crypto, but the consumer buys crypto directly from Verve. So the wallet itself is never part of your transaction. That's why it's so uh, light from the compliance and regulations perspective. Oh, I got you. Yeah, so the, I, I think the, the pieces are falling into place for me now. But as we as you go through the purchase, now do you then store an NFT, let's use an NFT for example, on your network until the end user is ready to perhaps download their first wallet? No, 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 no. So we will do that, uh, but in a different way. Right now, um, we, when the consumer is buying uh, NFT, uh, we assume that they already have a wallet because uh, this, this uh, like the wallet signing happens on the marketplace side or on the project side. So first they sign in with the MetaMask somewhere else on not on Verse platform on let's say non-origin, that's one of our NFT plans. Uh, the consumer signs in with MetaMask and then when they want to buy, as MetaMask is already signed, this NFT will get purchased and sent to that wallet address. So we never hold, uh, we're never in the custody of the NFT. Got you. Yeah, yeah. Um, the reason why I ask is we, we meet with a lot of people building uh, rewards points and working within the DeFi space, um, such as yourself. And some of the, the platforms will actually do a fiat to crypto exchange for you seamlessly, much like you guys do, but they also will give you the option of holding their, them there. But then that gets into all sorts of, uh, you know, un, un, unleashes a whole bunch of different regulatory uh, situations. Uh, so I totally see why, why you're doing it. You're obfuscating any kind of, any kind of financial or legal risk. So that's a pretty smart, uh, <laughs> smart way to go about it. Um, and thank you for the, the deeper dive. So, you know, it seems like we're off to a really great start with, you know, NFT checkout solutions, garnering 95% of approval rate, right? That's pretty impressive. Whereas the, the rest of the industry is at 50% failure rate or plus. Um, what are the reasons? Why, why do so many transactions fail? Yeah, that's a very good question. Not everybody understands that. So uh, card schemes, uh, Visa and MasterCard, uh, card networks, they classify every transaction uh, with their category code. And every merchant uh, on the like seller on the network has a, a category code. So when you sell, let's say, cryptocurrency, you have a merchant category code number uh, 6051, which is quasi-cash, uh, or like, that is uh, generic to financial transactions. So when you go to an ATM, 
is the same uh, class of a transaction. Or when you do a foreign exchange, uh, is or you, when you do money remittance online, is the same category. So this is a financial transaction. Buying crypto is a financial transaction. So there's a whole uh, different uh, chargeback rules in regard and consumer protection on uh, financial transactions. So banks don't really like them. So for for for, for issuing banks that actually um, are in the possession of the of the credit or debit card that have issued that that credit or debit card. They are the ones actually approving or declining the transaction. And they think uh, all, around, all over the world, regardless of whether it's US or EU, uh, all over the world, uh, they treat um, quasi-cash and crypto transactions as uh, high risk. I had my friend uh, was on the phone with me. He was buying crypto. Uh, and uh, when he made a transaction, his uh, account at Revolut got uh, frozen because of the fraud suspicion and high risk suspicion. So he had to uh, unblock the account. It took him a while. And that's how banks treat cryptocurrency businesses. And that's why uh, so many transactions are denied or declined, you know, around 50% of them, uh, which is horrible. It's a very bad experience. And uh, it's not good. <laughs> That's so. What we've done is we worked we worked with the WorldPay, our payment provider and payment partner, uh, to get approved by Visa and Mastercard directly as a unique, uh, not crypto merchant, but a uh, uh, NFT merchant. Uh, and as a result, uh, we were assigned not a crypto or quasi cash uh, merchant category code, rather than a normal e-commerce. Um, digital goods uh, MTC. Uh, so when you buy NFTs through verb checkout, um, your, the, this transaction is classified as an ordinary uh, e-commerce transaction and issuing bank has usually no objections about uh, authorizing it. And uh, that's why we have 95% acceptance rate. Awesome. Um, y yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's amazing what just a little bit of work can do and kind of put people ahead, ahead of the game. Um, and you mentioned WorldPay, which kind of threw a, a good flag for me because look, it's WorldPay. They've been around for a long time. They sponsor um, lots of important projects, uh, DeFi and, and, and pure play financial projects. That's really interesting. And, and it's important for our audiences to know that they don't just choose anyone off the street. They have to be very reputable, have a great product. Uh, and a, and service to back it up. So one of the questions I had personally uh, for you is, you know, buying NFTs is obviously kind of the first step for a lot of people, right? But for folks like myself and yourself and others that have been around for a little while, like we're really into the idea of utility-driven um, smart contracts. Is that something beyond the NFT world? Um, Will you be doing, say, um, contractual agreements uh, on the blockchain uh, through NFTs or, um, you know, process uh, type of uh, utility-driven uh, NFTs in the future? Mm, it's already happening. Uh, if you look at the token-gated experiences uh, that are being created, uh, it's already 
uh, contractual thing. So you buy uh, an NFT and then based on uh, on its parameters, you get a daily, weekly, monthly access to certain uh, to certain smart contracts, not websites, but certain smart contracts. So uh, it's already cool. It's already happening. I mean, imagine a world where uh, based on the NFT, which is on your wallet, you get different type of access uh, to different DeFi. So let's say if you uh, have an X, NFT X, you got uh, one set of trading pairs. But if you have an NFT Y, uh, you have a different set of trading pairs. And uh, this NFT can be, I don't know, um, sophisticated. Uh, you know, there's a sell certification uh, of whether you're a sophisticated investor or not. And um, if a third party, trusted third party issues this NFT, it would be much easier for DeFi platforms and for DeFi protocols to target financial services based on the um, experience of, uh, of traders. I got you. Yeah. So depending on kind of your level, you can kind of dig deep uh, and, and really start to operate within the, the NFT itself or the smart contract itself. So yes. that's, that's very cool. And it's important for our, our end, you know, end users or listeners to understand. Um, some of them are advanced, some of them are noobs. <laughs> um, and that's okay. Um, now, you know, I saw, you know, or I read in one of your recent press releases that um, you're working with Rarible and Mintable, which to me, you know, uh, I've interacted with them in the past. Um, very re reputable um, brands or new brands in the NFT space. Who else beyond, perhaps uh, beyond the NFT world or traditional NFT blockchain world? There's not a lot. Uh, our focus is specifically on um, Web3, NFT, and DeFi space. We have a couple of non-custodian wallets uh, using us, uh, NFT marketplaces. And uh, recently we were doing a drop with a uh, company called Stables. Uh, it's the horse verse out of uh, France. They are a subsidiary of PMU. It's a very old French company. And they've done this uh, amazing NFT drop, uh, which was sold out. And uh, we were partnering with them and uh, helped their users uh, get those NFTs without the need to buy Tezos. So you just enter your credit card details and you get your NFT, which was, it was really cool. Also, also there is a drop uh, which is happening right now um with the it's a danish artist uh, from denmark and he's doing a, a drop on uh, concordium blockchain uh yes yeah, so such things are happening as well um with concerns with excess uh kyc or know your customer and you know financial surveillance on both fiat and blockchain sides how does work handle that um, you probably touched on it a little bit already, but how do you deal with with some of these actual regulations that are here now and what how you might handle things that pop up? It's like a minefield. It is a minefield. That's true. Uh, the one big thing that helps us is that we do not do custody at all. 
that makes it makes us exempt from many regulations. Uh, KYC and no testing obligation um, that applies to us. It's not a very bad thing, to be honest. Uh, it, yes, it looks like it's also mass surveillance, but uh, the law is a law and you have to abide. There's a logic in that law uh, that is not that bad. Uh, and there is a there is a fair element of it, but uh, yeah, the law is law, and you have to mm, you have to abide. Um, we have to know our customer, but um, the level uh, of this knowledge and the depth of this knowledge uh, varies. Um, there's a thing called uh, risk based approach uh, in many um, in many financial legislations in Europe, in the US, UK. Um, meaning that um, depending on the scale of the business and size of the transaction, uh, you can apply different measures uh, to mitigate IML risks. Meaning that uh, if somebody is buying crypto worth of $10, this is totally different than somebody buying crypto worth of $10,000. So you have to apply mm -hmm. different uh, level of due diligence. Um, and that's what we do. For smaller transactions, less than thousand dollars, we do not ask for any documents. Uh, we don't ask the consumer to upload anything. Uh, we just ask them to state their first name, last name, date of birth, uh, residency, country, and provide uh, credit card details. Uh, based on that information, we can fulfill our KYC obligations. Uh, we make sure that we uh, do not do business with the sanctions individuals. We don't do business with individuals that are on the watch lists and so on. And um, that's it. Mm. It's, uh, you know, everybody is so poor compliance these days and is getting even worse, worse and worse. But for me and for our culture, um, I think that, um, you know, compliance is compliance. You just do it and uh, that's it. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't paying too much attention to to it. You have an obligation, and you 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 fulfill that obligation, and that's it. Mm. I didn't realize that uh, actually there. I, I always thought there was, as far as compliance, there was a one size fits all. No matter what the transaction, there no, had no. to be uh, type of thing. Is with the, in in reference to KYC, but. Um, yeah, that that's interesting. Above ten thousand um, dollars, that is interesting. Yeah, also it's a, it really depends on this product. So if you open a bank account as a financial institution, that bank account has a lot of functionality, uh, meaning that the risk are risks are potentially very high. But when somebody is buying crypto, this product is so narrow that you can uh, de-risk it internally and say that it's um, less risk risky product. That mean, that means that you have to uh, get less information and you shouldn't be required to do enhanced due diligence or like insane due diligence or have a right. video interview with the consumer. You don't need to do that. Like it's, uh, many people like treat the law directly and read the law, you know, in the worst possible way and mm -hmm. interpret the law in the worst possible way, unfortunately. Uh, but we hope not to be that persons. Mm. Okay. Now onto another uh, topic and, and, you know, 
this is my curiosity. I have my opinions on this stuff, but with, you know, the U S putting the squeeze on everything crypto, um, and subsequently starting the CBDC, um, you know, uh, central bank, uh, tokens, how do you think this will affect 2.0 to 3.0, uh, transactions in the future? There will be, um, many digital currencies. And unfortunately, what we see right now, I think that it's, uh, mm, it shows that the world is changing. Uh, and uh, there will be many currencies and many digital currencies all, all over the world. There will be local currencies, there will be community currencies, and uh, there will be a lot of them. And uh, the side effect of tokenization a uh, very interesting side effect is that imagine you can tokenize gold, oil, coal, nickel, copper, whatever you want, uranium, uh, right? And um, you can have a portfolio of those tokens in your MetaMask. And you can link your MetaMask to your Apple Pay card or Apple Pay enabled card. And then you go and pay uh, in Starbucks. Uh, with that portfolio of tokenized assets of that mm. portfolio of cryptocurrency. It looks like a natural exchange, like you're exchanging mm. gold for coffee. Yeah, uh, seamless, seamless, you know, credit card transaction. Um, it's almost like a rewards point kind of thing. Um, but you're using multiple tokens. Yes. Uh, that's awesome. And um, there's a less need of money. There's less need of... Uh, of a currency, because in this in this in this transaction that I've described, currency itself disappears because you pay uh, with tokens. Like literally, you have tokens on the balance, and then you don't have tokens on the balance. It's a very interesting world where we're heading to. Okay, excellent, George. So you know, as we start to wrap up the podcast here a little bit, um, we want to know a little bit more about. What's next for Word? Because it seems like you're you're really diving in. You're you're getting a lot of early adopters. You guys get the space. You got history in the space. What is next for the product? There's so many things that we're working on. Um, the first thing that we're going to announce next week uh, is insurance. So, found a service provider, a uh, regulated insurance provider, that will secure uh, NFT sales in a way that if a customer is buying an NFT, which is faulty, mm, so we kind of provide a warranty. And uh, in case the NFT got hacked, uh, the smart contract uh, of the NFT got hacked, or there is any kind of a malicious behavior, uh, the consumer will be compensated a big portion of the initial purchase. Wow, that that's interesting. A whole insurance plan on yes. individuals' uh, crypto or purchases, actually, yes. with crypto. That's phenomenal, and I think that's a natural next step. It's almost like your your own, uh, you know, security coin or you know, security token. But um, yeah, I, I love that. What else you got coming? Anything interesting? That is pretty cool. Uh, wallet creation. So we want to enable the consumers. Uh, so it's kind of 
also known pro problem on the market. So there are consumers that don't have crypto and this problem is solved by the NFT checkout by, but imagine the consumers that want to buy and for some reason they don't have crypto and they don't have a wallet or for some reason it's not convenient for them to, to uh, connect the wallet. This is a very common thing, uh, especially on mobile devices. So we'll provide those consumers with an option to buy the NFT and we'll pre-create a non-custodian wallet for them. So right after the purchase, they will have the option either to send this NFT to their normal wallet or to export the private keys or to wait a little bit and get to the desktop and then do the transfer or use words uh, non-custodian wallet uh, for some time. Like that's where I was kind of heading before um, with the wallet discussion. Um, so yeah, you'll have your own proprietary non-custodial wallet that will be, and I, to me that works as like the stopgap between. Well, I'm super new, and I don't even have a MetaMask or anything else. Um, this will actually help them to say yes immediately and yes. then they can send it to and it's and again it's very seamless it's even better you cannot you can you cannot just send the nft but you can export the private key and to your metamask so you don't have to move the nft which is even better you don't have to pay the gas and stuff hmm. Yeah, I think it's a really smart move because those who own the wallets kind of own the eyeballs as well, hearts, minds, and wallets, literally, of end users. That means you could do your own in-wallet in promotions and or drops uh, seamlessly. We don't want to do that. No, no. We want to stay a B2B company, not a B2C company. We don't want to compete with our clients. We don't want to compete with non-custodian wallets, uh, we're not a wallet company. It's a transitory mechanism. It's something in the middle uh, for the first transaction uh, to get onboarded rather than uh, a standalone service. It's, we're not, like, I know that in the long run, there's a big need for wallets. Of course, uh, we have like three or five million people that need to get onboarded into Web3. And they all need wallets, but unfortunately, uh, it's too early for Vert to be doing that. Maybe at a later stage, maybe in a different company, uh, I, I'm going to do the wallet thing, but not not now. Got you, got you. Yeah, it makes sense. It's like a wallet light just to get you by and you know acclimated into the um, wonderful world of Web three. Yes. Um, so George, you know, as we wrap up, um, I, I I kind of always like to ask guests, you know, what is, what does Bitcoin and crypto mean for you personally? What is it? What does this world mean to you? Um, I like the idea of crypto because it's money that is only yours. I mean, nobody can take it away from you. Nobody will tell you how to use it, where to send it and where not to send it. And uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, money is very important. It's kind of, uh, for me, it's a manifestation of your uh, energy that you've spent as an individual. You know, you worked hard and you've earned some money, uh, you created your wealth, and nobody should be able to take it away. You should never be uh, put on the risk that, you know, a bank 
freezes your account or there is a default or there's a bank run and other things i mean for me those risks are it's too much and uh, uh, people should have a different option people should have money which is only theirs and nobody can take it away and this is uh, what bitcoin stands for absolutely uh, personal sovereignty is uh, number one for me <laughs> um and freedom and flexibility to move without you know handcuffs on yeah um george I mean, as even like the last thing even like uh even even if we don't talk about like private transactions like monero or zcash or whatever even like sending usdc it's so much easier to send usdc to somebody uh in a different country uh, than doing a bank transfer. It's not even the compliance thing, $10 worth of USDC. It's like, it's, I'm, I had a, uh, uh, I bought a, uh, I bought a painting from the US painter. Uh, it's very beautiful. It costs $50. But if we do a SWIFT transfer, it's going to be like $30 fee and it's going to take ages and you never know. It's much easier to send that person USDC transaction, and that's it. Where can our listeners find work? Where, where can they learn and potentially get a demo for, for maybe some of their platforms that are working on their, their e-commerce pl platforms? Where can we go to learn more? It's uh, on Vert's website. It's vert.io. Everything is there. Uh, we have a Discord group for developers. Uh, mm. it's, there's also the link on the website. Uh, and that's, yeah, it's, everything is there. We have a Twitter and LinkedIn community, but not that big. Um, awesome. Yeah. It's, it's funny because, um, Discord is becoming the new, <laughs> the new central hub for people, especially yes. developers and creatives. Yes. Yes. There's some other things there, like, uh, there's Noster thing popping up. Uh, it can be a big thing. Yeah. Could be interesting. Uh, Telegraph is good, but I, I think Discord is actually pretty amazing as a one-stop shop for doing work internally and then communicating to your your um, outside audiences and, and teams. Um, you know, one thing I know you're you're kind of passionate about um, is DAO, right? The next time we talk to you, uh, George, we'd love to kind of get into some discussions around DAOs and how you set that, you know, how you're using it, and you know what that means. To the world and to to your products yeah well, i would be very happy to do that um, i was on the dow day recently here in estonia and yeah it was a really good meeting and a very good event uh yeah DAOs is uh DAOs are very interesting yeah i think they'll they'll as soon as people wrap their heads around it it'll become more and more important um yeah. Uh, as time goes on, especially in <laughs> this economic and world climate we're in right yeah, now. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so, yeah, what I would say is, you know, George, thank you so much. Uh, Work.io uh, for our listeners. Go there, do a demo, see what they're about. It really is kind of plug and play. It's pretty simple stuff for anyone thinking about uh, fiat to crypto conversions. Give them a look. Give him a test run and, um, you know, give George a shout online if, you, if you'd like. Um, thank you so much, George, and we look forward to having you again. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me and looking forward to be here again.
Yeah, it was a nice talk.